welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast looking rosier, er, rosier by the day. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who was not happy about Nebraska's canceled game on Saturday. I was very unhappy with that. It's Ryan Newman. <laughs> and by the other brother who had to attend a bachelor party this weekend. Mm. Yep, Poor that timing. Was, that was me, Trey Newman. All right, before we get into our reactions to a, a really exciting week one, we have to unfortunately address the elephant in the room. We got a one-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Oh, son of a bee. <laughs> We've had 35 five-stars and now one one-star, so... Because it was such a disappointing event, I'm sure for all of our fans, I'm sure they all saw it. Yep. And of course, for the three of us, I actually uh, called a press conference earlier today. I don't know if you guys were aware of that. I was not. I don't think anybody was. Well, <laughs> there were some people there. <laughs> uh, let me let me go ahead and uh, play the audio from that press conference. All right. To the listeners and everybody in College Football Bros Nation, um, I'm sorry. I'm extremely sorry. You know, we were hoping for a perfect five-star rating. That was my goal, something that's never been done on iTunes. But I promise you one thing. A lot of good will come out of this. You have never seen any podcaster in the entire country podcast as hard as I will podcast the rest of the season. And you will never see someone push the rest of his co-hosts as hard as I will push the rest of the season. And you will never see three brothers podcast harder than we will the rest of the season. God bless. Timmy. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done, Mike. Nicely done. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, we're going to, we'll, we'll fight through it. We'll get through it. (laughs) And uh, if you want to dilute that one star rating, go to Apple podcasts and leave us a five star review. We always appreciate when uh, people leave a written review, but let's get into the week one recap and we will start on Saturday. Maryland for the second straight year took down Texas this time, 34-29. to 29. Ryan, what'd you see here? Yeah, not a good start for Texas here, but Maryland in this game, they got off to a hard start. They were they were up 24-7 to 7 early, um, but Texas was able to bat- battle back, make it a close game, And but as we know, Maryland won. Uh, I, I, I mean, I am, and I think we all are, just really disappointed with Texas's offense. I mean, that was supposed to be, you know, Coach Herman's strength as a coach, and I don't think they looked any better than last year. And heck, they might have even looked worse. Um, I, I like Ellinger, but I just don't think he's that great. I mean, the passing game just isn't consistent. He's a tough kid. He makes some plays with his legs, but he's not electric enough um, with his legs to make up for the fact that he's just not a consistent passer. Um, but for the Terps, great win. Great win for Big Mike, I'm sure. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, Big Mike. <laughs> big Big Mike's pumped. And they they play Bowling Green and Temple the next two weeks, so it look looking like it could be a three and zero start for the Terps. Yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. I mean, Texas clearly hasn't completely improved improved uh, this season. They're, they look like they're not ready to take that that next step at this point. Offensively, they were thir- three of fifteen on third down, so that's obviously not going to help you win any games. Who would have thought a Tim Beck offense would struggle? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I won't look at this as a complete negative for Texas since Maryland looked really solid and and Kasim Hill was a gamer for the Terps. He kept making plays all over the field. And then 
it was also nice to to start out the game by Maryland to honor Jordan McNair they by lining up with ten players and taking the penalty, yeah. which Texas declined as they should. But that was that was a nice touch, given that everything's gone on there. But uh, but yeah, good win for Maryland. Yeah, I agree, Trey. To to shift the the story of this game to you know Texas not being back to hey maybe Maryland's actually pretty good this year. Matt Canada's offense looked incredible. He was spreading the ball around. They had ten different players get rushing attempts 11 different players with receptions so you know of course dj durkin had failings well many failings in various parts of the program but one thing he did do was recruit extremely well and so maybe matt canada's the guy to uh get the most out of those recruits we'll see i guess um one guy we got to bring up from this game true freshman jay sean jones for maryland yeah had a passing touchdown, a 28-yard rushing touchdown, and a 65-yard receiving touchdown. So That was all in the first half, too, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, I think that's right. Yeah, so pretty pretty <laughs> crazy game from him. But let's get our, to our next game. We've got Washington losing a close one in Atlanta to Auburn, 21-16. to Trey, what did you take from this game? Well, this game, it went back and forth. In the first half, Auburn really had chances to blow the doors off of Washington, but they they couldn't capitalize. Yeah. They kept getting into Washington territory, but they de- they had to settle for field goals. They even missed a couple of those. But as we saw, Washington, they stormed back. Aaron Fuller had 135 yards receiving, really a boost to that receiving core. That's Ryan's breakout player this year in the Pac-12. Was it? Yeah, it was. Did you ever say that on any podcast? I did. It was one of the one of the hot seat questions, I believe. Wow. Uh, I was asked yeah, I think it was a Pac-12 North breakout player, and said Aaron Fuller. Good work. Yeah, thanks. Nice pick. <laughs> but uh, the play of the game to me was when Browning fumbled on an option play near the goal line, oh, and yeah. Auburn recovered. And what was crazy about that, if you were watching the game, you saw that it was Washington's first red zone turnover since 2015. That's that's just crazy to me. That is ridiculous. Yeah, well, that's crazy. I, that is nuts. That is such a long time. Uh, but. Back to Auburn, though, their defense really impressed me. They they found a way to bottle up Miles Gaskin for the most part. They held Browning in check. So this was an impressive win for Auburn to to escape. It wasn't the prettiest, but they 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 did enough. Yeah, it really wasn't pretty for either team. I think it's one of those games where whoever lost, I feel like their fans were gonna think that they should have won. For Auburn, Trey, you brought up the first half. They should have been up by way more going into halftime. I think they were up two at the half. Yeah. Uh, and then for Washington, they just could not convert in the red zone the entire game. They had six trips there and they only had one touchdown. And then of course that really bad fumble by Jake Browning you brought up and then four field goal attempts. So both teams' offensive lines struggled. Um Especially Washington, I, I think maybe missing Trey Smith at left tackle, and he actually it just came out might be out for the year. That's a big loss for them. Yeah. Um, but overall, you know, it was just a, a close game between two really good teams. I still think Washington is the clear favorite in the Pac-12, and yep. I might put a bet on them right now to uh, to make it to the playoff because you know you're never going to get a better price than than after this one. Yeah, that's true. I mean, to me, it's the same story uh, as last year for UW. They just lack the explosiveness on offense to to kind of get over the hump. They weren't inefficient in this game. They weren't bad, but they just couldn't punch through. Michael, you brought up the red zone. That cost them in this game to me. There was no doubt. It absolutely did. And and it's hard to overcome those red zone mistakes against a good team like Auburn. Um, but I do know one thing. Chris Peterson and UW uh, will be huge Auburn fans for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Let's move on to Michigan losing 24 to 17 at Notre Dame. 
This was uh, kind of an ugly game, at least for for Michigan's offense. Uh, yep. There's three units from this game that I really haven't changed my opinion on. Notre Dame, very good defense. They showed that here. Inconsistent offense. That definitely reared its head in the second half. Michigan, I still think, has a dominant defense. I know in the first half they struggled a little bit, but I think that was more Brandon Wimbush, to his credit, just making some really good throws, making some good plays on third down. Uh, but the Michigan offense was pathetic the o-line just got completely dominated kind of hard to judge shea patterson given that though he made a couple bad decisions um but you know if you're a michigan fan you just you have to be really concerned you're starting out in an 0-1 hole you've got a brutal schedule coming up so i would i would struggle to find the optimism if i was a michigan fan yeah no doubt um and i think braylon edwards said it best ruiz is weak the line is weak shea is scared Effing Michigan offense is so predictable. Uh, <laughs> you got in some trouble for that. Not not a very smart comment, by the way, uh, from uh, the Big Ten Network, Braylon Edwards. No. No. Uh, I think all of us have always been super high on Harbaugh, and we'd all assumed he'd make Michigan elite, but I mean, it's it's. I'm seriously doubting if he's ever going to be able to do that now. It's just he can't get that offense over the hump, and you know he's going to run up the score against those lower caliber teams but he just cannot beat the good ones and but for Notre Dame you got to be very encouraged I mean Brandon Wimbush made some plays through the air against a really great defense that maybe he couldn't necessarily do last year I know it was a little inconsistent in the second half but he still made some good plays uh not good enough to to beat a great defensive team like Michigan so uh huge huge uh, win for them I'm not you know I'm not gonna jump on top of Harbaugh and, and pile on. They did have to play a top team on the road to start the season. But again, in of course, they, did, they didn't look good doing it. No, no question about it. The one thing, though, is that's interesting. You know, you bring in a guy like Shea Patterson, and I think Herb Street brought it up where, you know, Patterson kind of comes from more of a little bit more up-tempo, kind of spread style, yet he's really making him play in the, the Harbaugh kind of Stanford system where it's just kind of yep. you know tight tight formations pro style and it it's just it's just not working um but again it's week 1 they had to play Notre Dame maybe they'll get their kinks out in in the coming weeks before they get into Big 10 play so i'm not ready to bury michigan until they they continue to show me that they're going to struggle uh, offensively but not a good look and i agree with you Ryan Notre Dame looks solid and they should continue to be a force this whole season yeah, we'll we'll talk more about Michigan later in the podcast because I agree with you, Trey. I'm not I'm not ready to just throw in the towel for them yet, despite kind of the pessimism in in uh, my breakdown here. But let's get to Sunday night. Uh, LSU was in control the entire game and won 33 to 17 against Miami. Ryan, what'd you see here? Okay, Michael, I'll give you some credit on this one for for calling it on Miami. You are not high on <laughs> them at all. I mean, wasn't super high on LSU either, so I can't take too much credit. But no, yeah, that's that's true. But I'll just give you credit where credit is due. Thank you. Um, I mean, I didn't think they were a top eight team like they were ranked, but I certainly thought that they were better than what they showed on Sunday night. I mean, Malik Rozier was. That's weird to say that. Hey, good job, good job, Ryan. Thank you, thank you. He was (laughs) terrible. He was terrible. Showed absolutely no improvement over last year. And the final stats on this game aren't even indicative of how much LSU dominated because Miami scored a couple a cheap couple cheap late TDs. Um, on the on the other side though, for LSU, the offense was okay. It wasn't 
wasn't great. Joe Burrow only completed 11 out of 24 passes, and they averaged under four yards a carry. Joe Burrow had some drops. The receivers had some drops to his credit. That's that's true. But it's not like they were setting the world on fire. I mean, I know they're playing against a good defense, but um, yeah. I'm encouraged, but I'm also not all of a sudden throwing LSU into any playoff consideration type things. You know, I'm not overreacting like that. No. Um, But again, they had no turnovers, which they are extremely good at that, apparently. So, Um, but it was a great win. Great win for for LSU and Eddie O. Yeah, I'm not going to overreact either to kind of on either side. I know Miami's kind of here showing what I thought they were. Uh, but even this game, I mean, this is way worse than than you would have expected and way worse than they will be going forward. There's no reason to expect that they're this bad. I'm sure. I, of course, I don't think they're a playoff contender uh, and that showed in this game, but I still think they could go nine and three. That That's certainly not out of the question. Yeah. As yeah. far as LSU, I, I liked what I saw from from Joe Burrow. I know they didn't ask him to do much, but what I really liked was the LSU defense. They looked ridiculous. So in two weeks, it's going to be exciting. They go to Auburn, and I think that that game just got a lot more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and to me, it's going to be it's interesting just because of what you said, Michael. Their defense is dominant. So when they when you have a, when LSU has a dominant defense, they don't need Joe Burrow and a guy like Nick Brissett to just dominate offensively. They, their defense will keep him in the game. I'm not ready to Nick, anoint Nick Brissett as, as – uh, as Leonard Fournette, but he he averaged almost six yards per carry against this Miami defense, and and he ran the ball really well. But I am really anxious now to see if LSU can build on this in SEC play. As and and in terms of Miami, I'm I wasn't super bullish, and now I'm I'm really not bullish. And yeah, you know, nine and three that would still be a solid season uh, at this point, if you ask me. But again, they don't have to play LSU every week, so maybe I'm being a little little harsh. Yeah, one thing that uh, was really discouraging from Miami that we didn't bring up is the offensive line. I mean, Malik Rozier had a, a bad game. I mean, he had a couple good deep balls, but overall a very inefficient game. A lot of that blame has to go to the O-line. LSU's front seven was just Ooh. dominating them. Yeah, they were. It was ugly. All right, let's get to Monday night. Another. Speaking of ugly, this game was even uglier. <laughs> oh, Virginia Tech against Florida State. We're actually recording this right after that game. Virginia Tech won 24 to 3. Trey, what are your uh, quick thoughts on this one? So, this just in, FSU's offensive line is is still bad. Yeah. It's it's awful. Worse. Uh the Bros, we were we were texting about this during the game, but you know, I don't put this all on Francois. They he left a couple years ago with a bad offensive line and he's coming back to one. He he had no chance and but that being said, never doubt Bud Foster. He they did an unreal job stopping the Knolls' offensive weapons. Outside of one long Cam Akers run, they were just completely dominant. They they owned the the field position, time of possession. They just they controlled this game from start to finish, and it was it was never a game. So Even got a good. Beamer Ball special teams touchdown. Yeah, they did. That's right. That's they right. Were good so at that last was, year too. It was impressive for the Hokies, and and Fuente looks to be. Uh, he kind of critic or silenced the critics here uh, with the with this week one domination. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, I, like you said, the offensive line was so bad. I mean, DeAndre Francois, I didn't think he really played that bad. I mean, the 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 line was terrible, but then I just don't think there was any creativity offensively. I mean, there was just not. Oh, it was it was very stale. I just didn't see anything that I liked from from that offense and. 
you know, that Cam Akers run you mentioned, Trey, that was 85 yards, but his total rushing yards for the game was 82. So (laughs) one rush was 85. How does that happen? We could do a whole podcast on all the bad stats from Florida State's offense today. They had (laughs) negative seven yards in the third quarter. That's pretty bad. It's not good. No. I would, and I was, I was very, really, very, I was really <laughs> bullish on Florida State this year. And yeah. Again, I know it's a conference game and I know Virginia Tech's no slouch, but that was underwhelming. Yeah. I mean, you say Virginia Tech's no slouch. I kind of thought defensively they would be. And you already brought up Bud Foster, the job he did. I mean, that is just an incredible coaching job. I know it's just one game, but they're so inexperienced across that defense, but that D line just dominated. Yeah. They didn't look it. <laughs> Wow. This game kind of made me think that there's there was a few kind of super talented teams that we weren't sure what was going to happen for them this year. Texas, of course, is one of them. Not a great start for them. Another was Michigan. We already talked about that. And then now Florida State. I think for, for me, Florida State was maybe the toughest team to project this year. And yeah. if week one is any indication, it's uh, it's not good. Though the defense played very well, kept them in the game for most of it. Yeah, they did play really well. Yeah, they did. They did. By the way, how how much of a lock does Clemson look like to win the ACC right now? Oh my god, oh, it's gotten <laughs> way worse than uh, or way more so than than before the season. Yeah, Miami and Florida State both crap in the bed. It's crazy. But let's get to our rapid recaps. Trey, why don't you get us started? All right, we're going to start with Louisville versus Alabama. Alabama won fifty-one to fourteen. We all saw that Tua is clearly the guy at quarterback, even though Saban refuses to admit it still to this point. <laughs> he, no, he just admitted it as we're recording this. He just admitted it. Well, he announced he'd start. Right. But that's not a surprise. But Alabama dominated in every facet. They outgained Louisville by 250 yards, and they're looking to be dominant again. Second game I'm going to touch on is West Virginia versus Tennessee. West Virginia won this one 40 to 14. Tennessee looks like they might be in for a, a tough year. Will Greer put up 429 yards, five touchdowns. They moved all over the Vols' defense. And the offense didn't play awful, but they just don't have many game changers uh, on, on offense at this point for the Vols. But good win for v- West Virginia. Next game, BYU at Arizona. Kalani Sataki did a great job in game one of the year in which this is a season he needs to needs wins. And they held on 28-23 after being in control most of this game. The Cougar defense stifled Khalil Tate and that Sumlin Arizona offense. Tate was only 50% passing and only 14 yards rushing. Yeah, that was weird. Terrible. I don't know what's going Terrible on. Terrible by, yeah. by Sumlin there. Yeah. Yeah, come on, Sumlin. Very odd. And finally, Navy at Hawaii. I think Hawaii should be ranked after this 59-41 win. <laughs> they, they've started the season winning comfortably twice as double-digit underdogs. Their quarterback, Cole McDonald, threw for 428 yards, six touchdowns. Wow. Nick Rolovich has done a tremendous job with this program so far. Cole McDonald for Heisman. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Great first, great start. All right, my first game, Northwestern won at Purdue 31-27. True freshman Rondell Moore had a record-breaking 313 all-purpose yards, but Clayton Thorson on a pitch count did just enough to get the win. <laughs> San Diego State 31-10 to at Stanford. Bryce Love had 1.6 yards per carry. Yeah. Luckily, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside just completely bullied the shorter San Diego State defensive backs. Six catches, 226 yards, and three touchdowns. 
Next game, Cal won at home 24 to 17 against North Carolina. Their defense forced four Nathan Elliott interceptions. And the last game I'll get to is Cincinnati getting the win at UCLA 26 to 17. Chip Kelly's offense was Michael, stop smiling. Uh, yeah, well, it's made me pretty happy. <laughs> Their offense was pathetic, though. Wilton Spate yeah. got injured, and uh, true freshman Dorian Thompson Robinson didn't fare much better in the game. He, he's not ready yet, that's for sure. No, it didn't look like it. Okay, my first game, uh, Boise went to Troy and dominated 56 to 20. Brett Rippon was extremely efficient, throwing for over 300 yards and four touchdowns. And Boise made uh, an early statement that they're maybe the best group of five team, kind of between them and UCF at this point. Uh, my next game, Ole Miss uh, cruised to an easy 47-27 victory over Texas Tech. Uh, and the Rebels did anything they wanted against that weak Texas Tech defense. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, his seat just got even warmer. Uh, and it's going to be an uphill battle for him to, to make a bowl game now. Um, moving on to uh, the Cougs. They played at Wyoming. This was a close game through three quarters, but the Cougs dominated the fourth. They went, they outscored Wyoming 21 to nothing in that quarter. And they come out with out of Laramie with an easy 41 to 19 win. So a good quality road win uh, for them. Good start to their year. And then finally, Oklahoma. They blasted the fighting Lane Kiffin 63 to 14. This one was over after the first quarter. They were up 28 nothing and just did anything. Kyler Murray looked as good as OU fans had hoped. And they're clearly the class of the Big 12 right now. All right, good work, guys. Let's get to our segments. And our first segment is going to be an overreaction. Let's overreact to week one. So give me your best kind of knee-jerk, probably wildly overreactionary opinion after week one that a part of you actually believes. And I'll note that uh, Braden Hodges actually asked us this very question on Twitter. So this sort of counts as a first mailbag question as well. But Ryan, okay. what do you think? Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I think Texas is actually worse than they were last year and will struggle to make a bowl game. Ooh, wow. Yeah, that's that's going far. Whoa. Well, I mean, they just did not look good, man. That's <laughs> Yeah, they didn't look great. <laughs> that's, that's that's the extent of my argument right there. But if you're like me and you think Maryland's going to win eight games, then, hey, it's understandable. <laughs> uh, all right, for me, I'm going Amon Ross St. Brown will end his career with the most receptions in USC history. Oh, wow. Yeah, so so USC's offense or USC's team didn't really look all that good against UNLV. They struggled all the way into the fourth quarter, but St. Brown was incredible. Seven catches for 98 yards and a touchdown. He's got the chemistry with JT Daniels dating back to high school. Seemed like Daniels definitely was using him as a security blanket. So yeah, I think he can. Uh, he's got an early start here. This is game one as a true freshman, so I think he can reach Robert Woods' record. I, oh, okay. I was just going to ask you who who's got the record. Okay, Robert Woods. Yep. All right. My overreaction is that the Big Ten is completely overrated this season. Ooh. Penn State and Michigan State they were lucky, really lucky to win as as huge favorites. We all saw that Michigan looked pretty bad. Ohio State even gave up thirty one to Oregon State, even though they didn't have to sweat the game. So I think the Big Ten might be overrated, or at least more overrated than than what we prognosticated. All right. Speaking of uh, a couple of those teams you just mentioned, there were some teams that struggled as big favorites. So let's play a game called Concerned or Nah. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. So let's start with Michigan State. Concerned or Nah? And we'll actually, before Trey, before you give your answer to this one, we'll play a voicemail about Michigan State. 
Hey, bros, this is Braden calling again from St. Louis, Michigan. Spartans struggled with uh, Utah State, but they all count one. Win is a win. Ready to take on Herm Edwards and the Sun Devils this weekend. Go green. Yeah, thanks for the call, Braden. I I agree. Um, I think that, you know, they do only count as one, but there was still some concerns. You know, Lewerke and crew, I thought they would take another step forward this season. Utah State had them all but beat, and Jordan Love threw for over 300 yards on them at home. So I was I was a little bit concerned. I'm not writing Michigan State off at all. And and to echo your your final comment about the ASU game, I think it should be great. I think uh, you'll have a your hands full though against Manny Wilkins and and Coach Herm Edwards. All right, so that was uh, we're playing concerned or nah. Sounds like was that concerned or nah? <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> Sorry, I, I should have. I'm semi concerned. Okay. Oh, okay. That's you. You Michaeled on that one. Yeah. You yeah, really. But no, I, I'm more concerned than nah. Yeah, okay. All right, that's fair. That's fair. I'm actually going to say nah here. Um, The O-line was definitely a little bit concerning this game. Uh, Didn't run the ball super well. Weren't great in pass protection, especially when you factor in the fact that they were playing against Utah State. But I think this is just more sometimes what happens with Mark D'Antonio teams. You look back to 2011, week one against Youngstown State. They won by 22, 28-6. Not super impressive. 2013, they played against Western Michigan, won by 13. And that was a, a Western Michigan team that ended up going 1-11. and And then in 2015, against Western Michigan again, beat them by 13 that year too. And all three of those years, Michigan State won double-digit games. So I don't think it's really a sign for that much concern. I'm concerned if I'm a Michigan State fan. Uh, having a team like Utah State come to East Lansing, have the lead against you late in the fourth quarter, and they're arguably one of the worst teams on their schedule, that's got to have you concerned. How can it not? I mean, I, I still think they'll probably go on to have a solid season, but it's very alarming if if you're a Michigan State fan. And so I'm just really interested to see how they respond next week at ASU because they're going to be, there'll be no excuses. They should be ready. They know it's going to be a tough game. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they respond there. All right. The other team we're going to talk about here is also from the Big Ten East. So Ryan, Penn State, concerned or nah? Yeah, I'm very concerned. Uh, Oh. They gave up 38 points to Appalachian State, and it wasn't like there were a lot of fluky plays or turnovers that kept Appalachian in it. Penn State only had two penalties and didn't have a single turnover. So Appalachian just played, you know, right with them and didn't they weren't given anything in this game they just took it and to me uh, it's very concerning if you're a Penn State fan and we we were kind of talking before the year that we were concerned about it with all the losses that Penn State has so that's uh I'm concerned if I'm a Nittany Lion yeah I'm concerned as well um we we talked a lot about on on the podcast in our preview episodes about all the talent they're losing on offense you know Saquon Barkley Mike Gesicki Deshaun Hamilton but I think we undersold the defensive concerns. They only returned two starters from last year. And in this game, that kind of showed up. They let App State outgain them. So that could be an issue going forward. Sure. This wasn't wasn't a good sign, but and even though I'm I'm a little bearish on Penn State, I'm not gonna overreact and I'm not overly concerned with this with this game. Appalachian State's pretty solid. Jalen Moore at running back is so shifty. He proved how good he was in this game. Scott Satterfield is one of the best coaches out there. And Besides, Penn State was clutch in the final minute. 
to get this game to overtime, and then they obviously ultimately prevailed. So I'm not I'm not too concerned, not yet at least. All right, you got to say the word nah, or it doesn't count, Trey. Nah. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> By the way, this was one of those classic cases of scoring too quickly. You know, yeah. when uh, when App, yeah, State, know. App State scored that touchdown, of course you're happy, but you're like, ooh, wouldn't would we maybe have rather have you know gone down at the one run some clock maybe kick a field goal with 30 seconds left that you might have a better chance of winning right. of course you could never instruct your player to do that but yeah it was an incredible run by Moore too by the way yeah it was let's get to our mailbag now though we've got uh, a couple of voicemails that came in so let's listen to the first one this is tyler from michigan uh the more evil brother to sworn enemy of the podcast brayden <laughs> I just want to get your guys' take on what game was the most overhyped and didn't live up to the hype at all, and which one lived up to the hype the most this past weekend. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Tyler. So as far as the overhyped game, we've touched on it, but I'm going to have to say Michigan-Notre Dame. Uh, Michigan just looked pathetic offensively mm-hmm. until really the, the last couple minutes. I know we... We've hashed that out earlier. Were, I think they were pathetic all the way through, really. <laughs> Fair. Good point. And and we all saw that, that Notre Dame controlled this game pretty much from start to finish. So that would be my most overhyped game. As far as one that lived up to the hype, I'll say Washington-Auburn. I mean, it, wasn't, it definitely wasn't an instant classic, um, but you did have two top teams kind of working through their week one struggles. And they ended up playing a very competitive game, which which could have gone either way. So there, and there were some exciting plays made in the game. So you can tell that both these teams are top teams, but they just you know they were working through their their kinks in the first game. Yeah, I think that I was really disappointed that Auburn Washington was not the primetime game. Yeah, Louisville Alabama was, and I feel like when when that point spread in the Louisville Alabama came out a few months ago, it was like twenty five points. I wish they could have swapped those games. Yeah, I agree. But I'm going to go with uh, the one that didn't live up to the hype. I'm actually going to go with FAU at Oklahoma just because, I mean, I know Oklahoma was a big favorite, but you thought FAU would at least hang in there for a half, put up a lot of points, but they just completely laid an egg. And the game that did live up to the hype, I'm actually going to say LSU Miami, even though it was a blowout for most of the game, it was still really fun to watch. A ton of athletes making plays that Jeff Thomas one-handed catch for Miami was great. Gerald Willis on the D-line was everywhere. And then, of course, the LSU defense we already talked about. So still fun to watch despite being a blowout. Okay. Um, well, I was getting ready for this pod and I had one in mind, but I'm actually going to change what I was going to say just because of what happened tonight. Um, I'm going to say that uh, FSU Virginia Tech did not live up to the hype. Yeah. That game was so boring to watch. FSU couldn't get anything going. Virginia Tech just dominated. So I ex- we expected a whole lot more from uh, – Willie Taggart's debut. So I'm going to say that one was overhyped. Uh, and then the one that actually lived up to it was, I'm going to say Northwestern at Purdue. Um, it was a Thursday night game, you know, and it was a conference game. So everybody was looking forward to that because kind of the first, you know, interesting game. Um, and it lived up to a great, to be a great game. Um, Northwestern went up big time early, but then Purdue fought back and just kind of made it entertaining. The freshman uh, Moore had a huge game, which was kind of fun to watch. So I think that one was fun. Man, that late hit to end the game was oh brutal neil what are you doing <laughs> he was like their own only guy that was coming back from that defense too yeah oh that was rough that that was sucked all right our next voicemail comes from dave from san diego oh boy 
But no, but this time it's actually a different Dave, so take a listen. Hey, bros. It's uh, Dave from San Diego calling back again. Just woke up with a massive football hangover from yesterday. Was all hiked up for my Wolverines yesterday, and uh, I guess the game can be best summed up as Michigan football, you suck. <laughs> I think the offensive line was terrible. I think our defense gave up way too many deep balls. I think the front seven lost contain on every third down that mattered at all in the entire game. And at this point, I just feel like eight wins would be an accomplishment on the season. I mean, forget about Ohio State. Northwestern is going to be tough if we can't score points. I mean, I guess my question is, how do you guys stay motivated to keep watching when your team sucks so bad? And (laughs) what should I change my expectations to moving forward with Michigan? Because I don't see a playoff spot or conference title at this point. So anyway, see you guys later. (laughs) <laughs> wow that well, was let's, raw let's, that was raw from dave we gotta talk david off the ledge here <laughs> wow it's okay david it's gonna be all right oh man poor guy um boy i i mean you know it, we've kind of i can kind of feel his pain though you know being a nebraska fan we've had some uh some rough moments and even though like michigan it, it they haven't lived been up to as what like the fans want. They haven't been as good as they wanted, but it's not like they've been horrible. They've had some good seasons. They've just had some yeah. close losses here and there. Eventually, a great pro- program like Michigan is going to find its way back to the top. They have all the fans, all the resources. It's a great school. They're gonna get there sometime. But when you are going through, you know, these times where it's a little bit harder to watch, you just got to continue to kind of keep the faith and stick with your team and then eventually when those good times do come it's just that much sweeter so just keep <laughs> keep plugging along but I, I don't know michigan state let's we were talking about our michigan sorry let's let's not overreact though they could still have a really great year it's one loss at notre dame doesn't knock you out of anything yet yeah and you, you you're you ask how do you stay motivated well for me i look for progress i yeah, we're not writing michigan off yet they're going to get some easier games coming up and they're going to learn from this so if the offense continues to look like this and they don't show any signs of progress, then yes, I agree. It should be very frustrating. But let's see if this evolves at all throughout the season and you, you still have some hope. Because, you know, if you knock off a few wins, you're going to quickly kind of forget about that loss the further and further it gets away. Yeah. And I think it's just about not overreacting to one game. Um, you could frame this game in a good way you know you lost by seven on the road against what might be a top 10 team despite playing like crap offensively so i would say don't count the rest of the losses in this season before they happen i still think there's a chance they could win the big 10 east i mean michigan state didn't look great either penn state almost lost at home to app state so your goals are still in play and even though it didn't look good the defense could still be great so who knows that'll keep you in just about every game yep All right, we've got three questions from Twitter, so we will assign one to each brother. We'll start with at Susan USC, and she says, why does Ohio State still play their starters up 50 points in the fourth quarter? So, Ryan, why don't you take that one? (laughs) I like Susan. She's fiery. (laughs) I know. She's like, she was uh, taken on the SEC last week, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, Well, I mean, Ohio State, they, they probably did keep uh, their starters in longer than you would have thought. But the score was 56-31 going into the fourth quarter, and Oregon State 
had just scored 17 points in the third quarter. So I think the Buckeye coaches still wanted to get their guys some more work before calling it a day. I don't think they were completely satisfied for what they were, you know, kind of what they were seeing. So they were hoping to just kind of improve even there in the fourth quarter, get some more experience. All right, next question at Ala 4 When did this every game is a referendum BS become the model of college football coverage today? And why isn't a month's worth of games used as a guide for a team's worth instead? So this is a good point. Um, you know, oftentimes just looking at one game will give you the wrong impression of a team. You know, I'm obviously cherry picking here. But if you look last year, if you look just at Georgia's blowout loss to Auburn, of course, that would give you the wrong impression. Ohio State lost in a blowout at Iowa, Clemson lost at Syracuse. So yeah. you you can't just totally judge from a one-game sample. And if you look at kind of the the good prediction models, like guys like Rufus Peabody and Bill Connolly, they, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to have an exact number here, but just from listening to them, I think they say something like one game counts as maybe 10%. Week one will maybe count as 10% as their power rating for a team. So that means anything that happened this week one, it shouldn't really sway your opinion that much. 90% of your rating should be based on kind of what you thought before. Hmm. Okay, that's kind of interesting. But I, I kind of agree with that. You can't just totally swing one way just after one game. Yeah. All right, last question. At Mike P. Nola, why was everyone disrespecting LSU so much with all the talent on the roster? I get it, lack of experience, but there's a lot of talent on the defense. And Trey, before you answer this, I will say, he sent this in before LSU dominated Miami, so credit to him. Ah, oh, wow. That's a fair question. But I think the, the main reason that LSU has been disrespected is because of their lackluster offense in the last few years. The media, the fans, a lot of people, a lot of talking heads, they only focus on the offense and they see that that's just not performing. We all know that they've always had the defensive players and the defensive talent. But you know, I'm not going to go as far as to say that their offense is a, is a top one this season, but Burrow and Brissett look to to show to be a promising tandem uh, thus far. So it's an impressive performance, but they have some work to do in the SEC. All right, let's move on to week two. We'll turn the page here and we will start with Georgia at South Carolina. Georgia is a nine and a half point favorite. We've talked about this game a lot in the offseason. So Ryan, what are you thinking here? Yeah, they both had uh, easy blowout wins to start the year. So I think we're all Really looking forward to this one. I know Trey is. He's been uh, talking about this one all off season. <laughs> uh, Debo Samuel had a good first game back, so that's a very a very good sign if you're the, uh, a Gamecock fan. And Jake Bentley, Michael's boy, he was super efficient. So I think yeah. I think the Gamecocks they got a decent chance in this one, and uh, I think they're going to be able to make some plays through the air and keep this one close. Um, I know Georgia's defense looks really good. They shut out Austin P. I mean. I know it's Austin P, but shut up. <laughs> um, but I'm going to say the Gamecocks do enough to to cover that nine and a half. We all know where I'm leaning here. The Gamecocks they win straight up. This is my lock. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd have been surprised if it wasn't. I know <laughs> Bentley. That's right. There's my innocent little lock. <laughs> Bentley was efficient last week. You touched on it, Ryan, on Rico Dowdle. He was strong. Averaged over five yards a pop. They showed me just enough to be confident here. Georgia's going to need some playmakers to step up on defense to me in order to to really prove to me on the road that that they don't miss a guy like Roquan Smith. And and I some of this is is tongue in cheek for me. I as I think Georgia is a potential playoff team, but I just really and I've said this before, I like this spot for the Gamecocks. 
Yeah, I'm I'm also going to go with South Carolina with the points, but I don't feel as strongly, certainly not as strongly as you, Trey. This Georgia team, of course, we were all a little bit lower than I guess the public throughout the uh, throughout the off season, but I'm starting to warm up more and more to them just because this offense could be really really good you add in justin fields i'm interested to see what he does in this game how they use him as uh as a backup quarterback of yep. course demetrius robinson had a big rushing touchdown in last game and he's just another weapon for that offense so yeah. they do scare me but i'll say south carolina's receiving core it's very deep now of course with debo samuel back ryan and uh brian edwards at receiver they've just got a really good group there so maybe they can take advantage of some of the inexperienced cornerback depth for georgia and if if their lack of experience defensively is going to show up maybe it'll be in this game yep but let's get to clemson as a 12 and a half point favorite at texas a&m trey what are you thinking here most times in a situation like this i'd lean to the home team especially early in the season but I just don't see Trayvon Williams lighting up the Clemson defense here like he did last week where he had 240 yards on the ground. Clemson's defense is should make the A&M offense one-dimensional, and their offense, the Clemson offense that is, is going to do more than enough against this Aggie defense. I'm really curious to see how how much Trevor Lawrence plays here since last week he threw some touchdowns, but it was in a blowout performance. So... Overall, I don't see Ryan backing Kellen Mond here to to shred this Tiger defense. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, that was the big surprise from last week. It happened after we recorded. I think we were all kind of assuming that uh, Nick Starkle would be the starter, but Kellen Mond, of course, got named the starter. And I'm kind of thinking, I mean, maybe it was just because he was better in fall camp, but maybe Jimbo Fisher was targeting this game because going up against a dominant D-line, the best D-line in the country... If you've got a statue like Nick Starkle back there, it's going to be pretty tough. So maybe Jimbo felt like Kellen Mond gave A&M the best chance in this specific game. Uh, But really for me, I don't think either quarterback stands much of a chance. The offensive line was one of the big question marks for me coming into this year. And I mean, they're experienced, but they just weren't very good last year. So obviously not a good recipe against Clemson. And I see an easy Clemson win, and I will make this my lock. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I think the key in this game is Texas A&M's ground game. Trey, you touched on it. I mean, if they can't get Travion Williams going, even just a little bit, I mean, this one's going to get ugly really quick um, because there's no way a one-dimensional offense can have success against that that good of a defense, especially if that one dimension's killing Mon's arm. but like you said trey i'm really interested to see what Dabo does with his quarterbacks in this one you know when does lawrence play and how how much does he play and if you know it's kind of an interesting uh, storyline to see that i mean he played well last week i mean i was Furman, but he he played really really well so um i'm going to take clemson here as well um minus the 12 and a half Next game, USC at Stanford. Stanford is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The USC defense, the the one thing they've struggled with really last year and even last week against UNLV is letting up big plays. And if you look at Bryce Love, I know, of course, last week he struggled, but wouldn't expect that to happen two weeks in a row. And then J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, he's another guy that, that you can just pretty much huck it up to him, and he's very capable of making big plays. So, I have more confidence in Stanford's offense being able to put up points than than USC. 
USC's offense just didn't look all that sharp in week one. They had to settle for too many field goals in the red zone. I think JT Daniels as a true freshman on the road, first road game at Stanford. I think maybe his growing pains are going to show in this one. So give me uh, Stanford minus three and a half. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there, Mike. But touching a little bit last week on uh, on Stanford, they really shut down the, that Aztecs offense. I mean, I know Aztecs had a little bit of success running the ball. Um, but I think we're all surprised by how well the, the Stanford defense looked in that one. Um, so that's an encouraging sign after kind of what we saw last year. Yeah. Um, but for this game, I like Stanford here. I think that that USC rush defense is going to kind of struggled last week. They gave up over 300 yards on the ground to UNLV. So I think we'll see a bounce back game from uh, from Bryce Love in this one. And I think Stanford will cover. And this one is my lock of the week. Nice. Clearly last week, San Diego State made anyone but Bryce Love beat them. And we all saw that Bryce Love was was bottled up for the most part. So is SC going to do something similar and make KJ Costello beat them? It'll be interesting to see. Uh, now, like you touched on, Michael, it's a, it's going to be a true test for JT Daniels on the road in conference. It's a lot to ask. And I'm, I like Stanford here as well, just because I do trust their offense a bit more. All right, let's get to some honorable mentions, some games that we won't give a full breakdown for, but they are definitely worth watching. Trey, why don't you get us started? First game, Penn State at Pitt. Penn State's favored eight and a half. I say Penn State got a major wake-up call and worked out the kinks with their new offensive coordinator. Pitt's offense didn't do a whole lot versus Albany last week. Fun fact, though, Vinny Testaverde's son was the quarterback last week. Yeah, I saw that. Pittsburgh quarterback Pickett only had 154 yards passing. I really like the Nittany Lions this week. Next game, Mississippi State at Kansas State. Mississippi State's currently favored nine and a half. K-State fans better hope that they were being just vanilla last week and not showing all their cards as they were really lucky to escape for South Dakota. Mississippi State didn't miss a beat without Nick Fitzgerald last week. They put up 63 on Stephen F. Austin. Now, K-State will make adjustments, of course, but I don't see them matching the firepower that the Bulldogs have. Kansas State gave up 334 yards to an FCS team. Not a good recipe. My final game is Kentucky at Florida, where Florida is giving 14 points. Now, can Kentucky finally beat Florida? I say no. Felipe Franks completed 67% of his passes through five touchdowns. The only concern for Florida is they gave up 222 yards rushing last week, and now Benny Snell comes to town. The bad thing for Kentucky, though, is Terry Wilson threw for only 78 yards and two picks last week. I say the Gators continue to dominate this Kentucky series with Dan Mullen in town. My first game, UCLA at OU. OU's a 29.5 point favorite. If Spate is unable to go, I assume it will be the true freshman Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and that spells trouble. I'll take OU. Iowa State at Iowa. Iowa's a three and a half point favorite. The battle for the Cyhawk Trophy. Give me Iowa. I was really impressed with their defense against Northern Illinois in week one. Finally, Utah is minus 11 at Northern Illinois. Speaking of them, I'm going to go with the Huskies. I liked them before the year. I'm not going to overreact to a one bad offensive performance. Okay, I'll start with uh, Michigan State minus seven at Arizona State. As we know, Sparty barely squeaked by Utah State. But Arizona State looked fantastic against Texas San Antonio. But in this game, I think Michigan State's experience will be a big factor, and I trust Antonio to get his boys ready. So I'm going to take the Spartans here. Next game is Colorado at Nebraska, who's a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Colorado looked really good against our uh, Colorado State last week. Uh, Nebraska didn't get to play, unfortunately, so that gives Colorado an advantage there. 
I genuinely have no idea how this game is going to go. I'm not going to pretend like I do. But I think Nebraska has a little more talent than Colorado and a home field advantage. So I'm taking the big red here. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and my last game is Cal at BYU. BYU is a three-point favorite. Both teams had good week one wins, particularly BYU at an Arizona squad that you guys were both pretty high on to start the year. Yeah. Um, both defenses were impressive. Cal picked off Nathan Elliott four times. Um, so I'm expecting a really close game here, but I'll take the Cougars at home. All right, let's close out the episode with a questionable finish. Kansas lost at home to Nichols State this weekend. Name a time when you failed at something that should have been really easy. Okay, I'm not so totally sure that this was super easy, but I had an interview uh, when I got out of college for to work at an apartment complex as a leasing, working in the leasing office, and they asked me to like try and sell them a pen. And I just could not come up with anything. Like, I completely <laughs> bombed that interview. I walked out of there just like, I, had, I knew for sure I wasn't going to get the job. That was a, I totally failed that one. Good going. Thank you. Uh, so, Ryan, mine was, this was in high school, and you were quizzing me on, you were saying the name of a city, and I had to say which professional base, baseball team played there. Really? And I was just like, this is a joke, Ryan. I know all the baseball teams. Yeah. And you said Philadelphia, and somehow I could not come up with the Phillies. It was the craziest mental block I've ever had. Are you sure it was that? There was another time where I asked you, like, what was the nickname of the team from, I said, Pennsylvania State. Oof. And you didn't know it was Penn State. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Ouch. Yeah. No, I must have been like 12 years old, Ryan. Yeah, that one was before high school, but still. <laughs> well, for me, and you guys can tell I'm scarred from this because I believe I brought this up on a previous podcast, but it was elementary school art class. I was told that there was no way anyone could screw this up. All you had to do was draw this horse that was a little figurine in front of you. Unfortunately, the teacher ended up saying that mine looked like a cow or a deformed pig. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's rough. That that was it. It's clearly scarred me ever since. Apparently, yeah. Name something more intimidating than Michigan's offense. Is it your art teacher, Trey? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that that's true. Probably the art teacher. I'm gonna say Kansas football. Ooh. Wow. Wow. I don't that's... know about that. <laughs> I don't either. I'm gonna go with lost Nichols. I'm gonna go with the little teddy bear from the TurboTax commercials. <laughs> yes, very, very good. Found ya. I'm gonna go with uh, Florida State's offense. Ooh, I also don't know about that. It'd <laughs> 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 be close. <laughs> All right, what is your questionable pick of the week? All right, I'm gonna take Air Force. They're ten point underdogs at Florida Atlantic. So I'm gonna say uh, after that crazy first week for Florida Atlantic, they're not, they're not looking too hot right now. All right. So for me, even though I wasn't too concerned about week one for Michigan State, I'm still thinking they're a little bit overrated because that's what I thought before the year. And I think Manny Wilkins and Nikhil Harry for Arizona State are underrated. So I'll say Arizona State gets the win outright. Good pick, Michael. I'm going to take Northern Illinois plus 11 where they are hosting Utah. I think their solid defense is going to be able to hold down Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss and get the win. All right, that'll do it for our week one recap and week two preview episode. Once again, if you like the show, give us a, a review on Apple Podcasts. Try and push that one-star review just out of the picture. That one is just... be. A, we should be able to re- review the, the listeners, don't you think? Yeah, it's true, right? You can definitely give a few of our listeners five stars. 
All right, I'll give you a review. Braden Hodges, what are you going to rate him? Well, I'd say zero stars. Is that possible? Can we do zero? Five star for listening, zero star for being an enemy. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, Like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.